The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Remain standing, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 23. Let's get into the word of the Lord tonight. Special message tonight. I'm going to try. There are times of ministry that uh, I've had, and maybe what I'm about to say makes no sense to you, uh, and then maybe, maybe it will make sense to you. There's times of ministry and preparation for messages where I can hear the sound of warfare over my head while I'm studying. And this is one of those moments um, as we bring the word of the Lord to you. I want to read 2 Kings 23. We're going to read verse 4. And um, I'm going to mispronounce many names. So if you have a special gift to be able to articulate the language, Hebrew, names, God bless you. You can pray for me. Don't have that. I'm just thankful I can read. Is anybody thankful they can read? Yeah, because I used to not be able to read. And I'm just thankful. So if I get to a name, I just might pray in tongues or say, say, say something like Shaba or Shandai, and then I'll just move on to the next. All right. You all get it? All right. We're going to go through verse... Uh, through verse 16, I'm going to read it off the screen so you'll stay with us there, media team. So appreciate you. In the new king, NIV, in the NIV tonight. The king ordered Helekiah, the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal, Asherah, and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and all those around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts. Verse 6. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem, and he burned it there. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust all over the graves of the common people. He also took down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord, the quarters where women did weaving for Asherah, Joash, brought all the priests from the towns of Judah and desecrated the high places from Gibeah to Beersheba, where the priests had burned incense. He broke down the gateway at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the city, the city governor, which was on the left of the, city, of the city gate. Although the priests of the high places did not serve at the altar of the Lord of Jerusalem, 
They ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. He desecrated Shondai. <laughs> he desecrated Topheth. I got it. Which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. So no one could use it as a sacrifice to, to sacrifice their son or daughter to the fire of Molech. He removed from the entrance of the temple of the Lord the horses that the king of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were in the court near the room of the, an official named Nathan Melech. Josiah then burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. He pulled down the altars of the kings of Judah that the kings of Judah had erected on the roof near the upper room of Ahaz and the altars Manasseh had built in the two courts of the temple of the Lord. He removed from there, smashed them to pieces and threw the rubble into the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the high places. This guy's bad. Yeah. The king also desecrated the high places, meaning, meaning good. When I said bad, he's, he's, he's good. The king also desecrated the high places that were east of Jerusalem, south of the hill of corruption, the ones Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the vile goddess of the Sidonians, for, yeah, Shandai, Chemosh, the vile god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the people of Ammon. Joash smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles and covered the sites with human bones. Even the altar at Bethel, the high place made by Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who had caused Israel to sin, even that altar, the high place, he demolished. He burned the high place and, the ground, and ground it to powder and burned the Asherah pole also. Last verse. Then Joash looked around, and when he saw the tombs that were on the hillside, he had the bones removed from them and burned on the altar to defile it in accordance with the word of the Lord proclaimed by the man of God who foretold these things. Come on, Jesus. Come on, just lift your voice and pray. Holy Spirit, you've been so gracious, Lord, to touch us, bringing healing and blessing, encouragement and strength and comfort to us. Now, Lord, at the preaching of your word, we pray that you would take a coal from the altar, even of heaven, placing it upon my lips of clay that when I preach, Lord, it would burn faith in all of our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. I pray that this message would have far-reaching consequence. Even into the United States of America and the nations of the world. Your word goes forth. It does not return void. You stand over it to perform it for the reason that you sent it forth. So release your word tonight. Your word is precious to us. It's not just another service. It's the word of the Lord. And we're so thankful to be alive at this time. Now do and say and move the way you want to. All that's in your heart. Towards us, your people, your bride. The body of Christ even. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Boy, if we ever needed a Josiah. 
We need one today. If we ever needed the Josiah generation, boy, we need one now. We need one right now. This is an amazing king. An amazing king. In my own lifetime, I think about the things that have changed. Just in my lifetime, I am 48 years old. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm not in my 20s. Glory to God, I wouldn't trade that for nothing. I was dumb as a box of rocks and just thought I knew everything. Found out I knew very little. In fact, the more I learned, the more I realized I still know very little. In my own lifetime, there has been transformation in a negative way, in astounding, in, I mean, it's astounding. And in my father's lifetime, you know, they used to, in school, they used to open in prayer in the public school system. Every day, they opened in prayer, they said the Pledge of Allegiance. Some of you, some of you remember that. Amen. Every day. Now... That is not the case. The honor of God was just how it was. They opened football games that way. They opened soccer games that way, lacrosse games. They, there used to be blue laws. You, you couldn't even go buy anything on Sunday. Well, what happened? Our nation's been defiled. Our nation's been ransacked by greed and unbridled lust. Our nation has been taken over in many ways, although there's a remnant. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Perversion, destruction of the family, divorce, and more. There's been an attempt in the forces of darkness to remove God from the public square, to remove the Ten Commandments, and to tear down this great nation, forgetting and not even acknowledging that God is the one that made our nation great to begin with. Amen. Literally what they said is that you can talk about God, you can preach the word, but you cannot do it in public. You can do it within the four walls of your little buildings. It is never the way the word of God is designed to be in a little building. In fact, if you look through the Old Testament, you'll see prophets being spoken to by God outside, almost all of them. Amazing. The kingdom of God can't be contained within a building. Amen. They've taken truth and they've substituted it for opinion. You can't substitute truth for opinion. Oh, but that's what's happened in America. It's whatever's popular in that day. You'll notice now that I mean, who would ever have thought that we would begin to lose our religious liberties, but that's the way it's moving. It's moving that way. I preached a message on Sunday, and uh, if you haven't heard it, you, you need to get it. It's called The Christian Citizen, and about losing your voice. I, uh, I made a comment during that message that I would like to correct. Uh, I called Democrats morons. Uh, but actually, that's not what I meant. The context of what I was saying, truthfully, before the Lord, is this. If you just vote Republican or you just vote Democrat, then you're a moron. That actually is the statement. Because how many of you know there are evil Republicans and evil Democrats and, and there's evil lurking in the Tea Party and everything else? You vote the issues. 
You vote the issues. That's, that's how you vote. You just don't vote down party lines. That is moronic. That was what I want to correct. So I got a lot of congratulations by people thanking me that I called Democrats morons, but really what I was saying was <laughs> to vote party lines is moronic. Truth has been removed from, from government. Oh, there's an attempt. It's, you can't have inalienable rights without God. Emblazoned in the Constitution of America, you cannot have inalienable rights endowed by our Creator. You can't have those without truth, without absolute truth. People's opinion change. We need Josiah's. And so I want to preach to you a message tonight about the Josiah anointing. And when I, when I say anointing, it's, it's how the Holy Spirit manifested, how God worked through this young king, came to be king at eight years old, how the Holy Spirit worked through this king to bring about great reforms in, in Judah. And how God, by His Spirit, can work through you, can work through me, can work through this generation to bring about reforms. I don't know where you're at, but I am not fixing to bring my handkerchief out and wave surrender. We are headed for the greatest move of God that we have ever seen. It might come, it might come with great difficulty and even tribulation. And if you're just hoping that, we, that you're just going to get a twinkling of an eye and we're just going to get snapped out of here, well, I hope that's the way it is. But if it's not, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Just saying. We might have to endure some things. I mean, we already are. We're headed for a train wreck. But there's going to be a move of the Spirit of God that there never has been before in all of recorded history. And I believe that God is going to use us like a Joash, going to use us to tear down some things, going to use us to bring a reformation. I believe that. Do you believe that? Say amen in the house of God. So we'll look at... Jo Josiah, did I say Joash? Josiah's story. Look at Josiah's story. He became king at eight years old. His father, Manasseh, ruled for 55 years, a total horrible king. That's his grandfather. 55 years, Manasseh. His father, Ammon, ruled for two years, both of them horrible kings. And it says of Josiah in 2 Kings 22, verse 2, it says he did right in the eyes of the Lord and he followed completely the ways of his father, David. It did not turn to the right or to aside to the right or the left. And that's an unusual statement. Eight years old, he becomes king. He reigned righteously. If you're filling your notes in, he reigned righteously. In the eighth year of his reign, he began to seek the Lord. And you can read this in 2 Chronicles. Now, this the account of Josiah is told in two different places. It's told in 2 Kings, which we read. It's also told in 2 Chronicles, chapters 34 and 35. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 34, it says he's 16 years old. He begins to seek the Lord. 16. I know some 16-year-olds that practically have their eyeballs falling out of their head because they play so much video games. 16 years old, he's seeking God. I know other 16-year-olds that have a passionate, burning desire to serve the Lord, 
to seek him. You just can't get him out of church. You can't quit him from praying and worshiping. In the 12th year of his reign, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. He's 20 years old. He's a 20-year-old young adult. He begins to clean up the mess of idolatry that his the kings before him, including his grandfather and his father, even all the way back to Solomon, if you read the text. 20 years old. And he basically brings in revival. He, he cuts down the altars and he, he burns them. In the 18th year, in, in his 18th year of, of ruling, he purifies the temple and began to rebuild it. He's 26 years old, and when he's 26, he finds... The Word of God. What do you mean he found the Word of God, Pastor? Was it lost? Yes. In fact, it was. For some reason, the kings before didn't think it important to have the Word of God. And they're cleaning up the temple, and, he, and they find the book. They find the scrolls. And he begins to read it. 26 years old, begins to read the Word of God. It's astounding to me that there's a whole generation that just removed the word. And when you remove the word, you will end up with Asherahs. When you remove the word, you will end up with the starry host. You say, we don't have any of that. Are you kidding me? The very idols he tears down are the exact same ones in America. Same ones. The very same ones. I'm going to talk about it in a second. He reads the word of God. He's, he's, he's gripped. His heart is rent in two. He reads the book of the law, and he repents. It's amazing. For 300 years, for 300 years, they didn't read the scriptures. They're lost inside the temple. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And Judah was under judgment. The northern tribes are already wiped out. And so it's this young king, 26, repents. He didn't point the finger at anybody else and tell them to repent. He repents, which is a good point. Because he knew that he had sinned. And he, he sends to Huldah. And Huldah the prophet, she prophesies judgment. But because the king repented, it would not happen during his reign. He, so he reads, the, he reads the book of the law, and he realizes, we're totally messed up. I mean, we have some serious problems. We're under judgment. And he's, he's freaked out by it so much so that he just repents, and he, he says, where's that prophet? Where's that crazy lady? Second Chronicles 34, 27, 28, talks about him sending for Helda and her prophetic word. What did he do? He gathered the people who were still living there. Again, northern kingdom, totally wiped out already. It's Judah now. And he renewed the covenant between God and Israel. Second Chronicles, this is worth putting up if you would All scripture is worth putting up, but I want you to put this up, please. Second Chronicles 35, verse 18. Second Chronicles, turn there, if, if you will. Second Chronicles 
35, verse 18. The Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. And none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah with the priests, the Levites, and all of Judah and Israel who were there with the people of Jerusalem. There was never a king in all the history, in all the history of Israel. This boy got touched. He got transformed. And I'm not even sure what that means. Does that mean like, I mean, it was bigger. I think it was bigger. I think it was more glorious. I think it was more heartfelt. I think it was everything and all, all of the above. It was, it was all that plus, plus, plus celebrating the Passover. This working of the Spirit of God on this child king. Of course, he becomes a man in the process. The working of the Holy Spirit upon him, that anointing, that enablement, is one of repentance. That's what it is. It's one of repentance. Not a finger pointing. Not crocodile tears. One of real repentance. And I would venture to say that many people never enter in to a real move of the Spirit of God because they don't really go deep with God. Corey Ten Boom said this, the depth of repentance brings the depth of revival. A spotlight came on him. Let me ask you this. If God came tonight, right now, and put the spotlight on you so that we could all see everything up on the screens right now. Would there be anything in there? The truth is yes. And the truth is yes for every one of us. And I'm thankful that God doesn't blast our sin all over screens. Is anybody else with me tonight? That's worthy just saying, come on, just worship him for a second. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's not into shame. He's not into blame. He's not into arm twisting. But our sin, whatever it might be, you might think it's small. It might be large. The truth is, when you get close to the Lord, it's all big. All of it. Because even like Isaiah, at the call of Isaiah, the prophet, he's crying woe to everybody for the first five chapters. Whoa, you, hey, whoa, hey, sinner, whoa, sinner, hey, whoa, you unclean people, you're defiled, you're all messed up, sinners, rank sinners, God's coming. And then the glory of the Lord comes in to the temple and his train, you know what a train is? You know when a, when a, when a bride comes down the aisle, her train. The train of the glory of the Lord comes in. And then he says, ah, woe's me is what he says. Woe me. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. It's not about anybody else. It's about him. See, we don't need a bunch of finger pointing. 
We need, we need this kind of anointing on this young king where we begin to look at our own lives and not in a condemning way, but take a look and say, oh man, I've got some issues. Jesus, forgive me. That's how real revival comes, by our own repentance. I'm repenting tonight. Of what? Stuff. This anointing on Josiah was one of repentance. The anointing on Josiah was, is one in which elevating the word of God to affect all of society. He elevated the word of God to affect all of society. That is what we need to do. I would to God that people would use their Facebook to preach and teach the word of God as opposed to some gossiping, backstabbing, ridiculousness. If we could just use the social network, if we could just tweet the gospel and just get it out there. I mean, yeah, bumper stickers, you know, T-shirts, songs. Most of all, a life lived. Augustine said one of the greatest sermon ever preached is the one lived. I believe that. I also believe you should open your mouth and say it in the love of God. And, and Josiah elevated the word of God, and it affected all of society. And let me, let me say this. If you elevate the word of God in your life, it will affect your whole life. And then your whole life will begin to affect all the lives around them. And then all the lives around them will begin to affect, listen, if everybody does that, then we begin to have a great move of the spirit of God. Come on, say, Lord, I'm going to elevate your word in my life. Opinions don't last. They change. Opinions change. I was told this a long time ago. Uh, don't ever get rid of your ties, gentlemen. And the reason you never get rid of your ties. Now, I had a collection for I don't know how long. I mean, I had a massive collection of ties from the time I was in all boys boarding school when I was a little kid. And they all got taken, which was sad. It's 100, 100, 100 ties plus. The reason you never get rid of your ties, gentlemen, is because, well, you said, well, they go out of fashion. I mean, they get the, you remember the wide ones? Come on, boys. Remember the 70s was big wide, right? How many of you remember the 80s when they got really narrow? And then they got wide and they get narrow. Just hold on to your ties because they're coming back. Amen. Ladies, come on. That's right. You thought you'd never see the beehive hairdo. It could come back. I don't know. It's not back yet. The point is, is that fads come and go. Opinions come and go. But the word of the Lord will remain, will endure forever. And we can't have an opinion. You can't live based upon your opinion of what you think is cool or what you think is right. It doesn't matter what you think is right. It doesn't matter what I think is right. What matters is what God's word says is right. That's called absolute truth. And so there has to be an elevation of the word of God in our lives. <laughs> and that's part of the anointing that's upon this king's life. Josiah elevated the word of God. The, the Josiah anointing is a passion for God's house. A passion for God's house. It's a desire to see prayer and worship established at a greater degree. The Josiah anointing is a, is a desire to to see lives transformed. He said, well, I, I just want to go watch my movie. You know, um, Hollywood, the whole entertainment sector of our 
of our world has capitalized on what we call the wow factor. You see, you have in you a deep desire for, whoa! Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, a deep desire for like, ooh, that was cool. That was cool. Did you see the, ooh. My, my wife, I, I, I bought my wife the new iPhone 6 Plus. That thing is like a tablet. The thing is huge. It's like you're talking on your iPad. It just came today. And I was looking at the phone, and I was like, that's amazing. And so I swiped up and realized it was only half throttle. In other words, the brightness on the screen was only half, and I was already blown away. I pushed the thing all the way up, and we held it up, and it was almost like I could go into it. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was seriously impressive. I'm like, whoa. I mean, it was the stars, you know? And I thought, <laughs> technology is just escalating at an amazing rate. Daniel talks about that. There, there, there's part of who we are in our DNA, made in the image of God, longs for the supernatural, longs for the boom, pow, wow, whoa, longs for that. But that's not happening at church. It's not happening in people's quiet time with the Word of God. They're, they're not being wowed by an encounter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the book of Revelation, John? Pretty intense quiet time. Pretty intense. I heard a voice. John, come up here. And I saw a window in heaven. Forget Xbox 360, Jack. That's way better. That, that's way better than... than World of Warcraft or whatever demonic game you're playing. It's way better than Little Wayne. It's way better than anything the world has to offer. His love is better than wine, says the Song of Solomon. When you begin to encounter God like that, you say, well, I've never encountered God like that. Maybe that's because you're playing Xbox too much. He, maybe he wants to encounter you in the quiet time you never have. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. It's good to be in church on a Wednesday night. Go ahead. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, awesome. The wow factor. The supernatural of God. <laughs> God will reveal things. I'll quote scripture. Proverbs. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. If you set your heart on a pilgrimage to seek after God, to experience him, his love, his power, you will never be disappointed. There are places in God that none of us have been to yet. And just because it's not come easy like you pulling up to a heavenly McDonald's to get your number five go large, many dismiss it because it's not instantaneous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They shall be satisfied. I'm convinced that many people don't have passion for God's house because they've been seduced by the entertainment of the world. There's a great seduction taking place to capture your heart, to capture the wow, to capture you so that you no longer press into the heavenlies and experience God. 
his love. And so we end up with a lukewarm Christianity that wonders where the power of God is when somebody can go and take a needle and stick some drugs in their vein and disappear and go to another place. And so they'd rather go to that because church is dead. And I don't think we're dead here. And I know there's lots of wonderful churches out there, but I just know there's another level. The, jo- the Josiah anointing is for passion for God's house. You know what's really fun? Let me, let me share this testimony. I was in Chile. I, I'd gone there the year before in prophetic conference. And I'm, I'm prophesying over some people that are before me. And I'm interrupted by a young couple who's weeping. They, they come to the side of my, my interpreter. You know, I finished with this praying over this one couple. And the interpreter stops me and says, you know, do you remember this couple? And they walk up to me and they're weeping. Their tears are running down their face and they're holding a brand new baby. And I remember that couple because the year before they couldn't have any kids. The doctors say they couldn't have any kids. They did everything they could and spent all kinds of money. They couldn't have any kids. And the word of the Lord is you're going to have a child by this time next year. And they stood there with their baby and we both sat there weeping. Now, I think that's pretty exciting. I think it's exciting when somebody who's stuck on drugs encounters Jesus and gets set free. I think it's exciting when somebody hears hears voices that they're tormented, they can't sleep at night, and all of a sudden, bang, they get delivered, or a marriage that comes back together, or somebody who's suicidal, all of a sudden that heaviness, that that burden, that weight of discouragement despairs on them, and all of a sudden they're looking at you full of faith and they're shining because those who look to him are radiant. I think that's exciting. I think an encounter with God that that brings me into the heavenlies and reveals something to me, I think that'd be pretty awesome. It's pretty exciting to serve God unless you've set your heart and dialed it back and you're seduced by the things of the world. Become bigger, louder, brighter than what God's doing in your own life now. Don't be seduced by an iPhone 6. Don't be seduced by by the things of the world or, or the traditions and the philosophies of men don't be seduced don't be spoiled says the book of galatians i believe it is it's a simplicity that's in christ this this anointing of josiah is one for passion for god's house let's move on look at f josiah anointing is to destroy the works of the devil the idols that he destroyed are the very idols we have today Prove it. Okay, I will. Asteropole is a phallic symbol. And they would come and worship this thing. He came and hacked it down. There is so much sex. And I mean, everything's sold with sex. It's crazy. I, I mean, I just got something from, I, I don't know what it was, in the mail. As soon as I got it, I go, bah, some card about lingerie. It's all soft porn. Everything's sold with sex. Moloch, sacrifice to get success. And I'll tell you what they would sacrifice. They'd sacrifice their children. It's the same thing that's true today. Sacrificing babies and abortion to the God of Moloch. It's the same thing. Why? On the altar of convenience. They're not ready. I, it's too much money. It's, it's whatever. The starry host. Just go to a newspaper. Just No, don't. Take my word for it. Yeah, I, I know some believers actually that... Um, gosh, what is it called? You know, the um, astrology. I know believers that actually, there are, in fact, thank you, Lord, there's some people here. Who are they? Um, 
There's some people here that you read your astrological sign and, and your little report for the day about what it says for you in your Libra. Men of the 70s, I'm not, I, I grew up in the 70s. It used to be the thing like, hey, what's your sign? Do you, is anybody, come on. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Anybody? All three of you. Everybody else is lying that grew up during that time period. Yeah, what's your sign? That was a common thing. Maybe you grew up in the church, and so it wasn't common. Praise the Lord. That's the way my kids will have it. But there's lots of people that actually, they don't really have a relationship with the Lord at the depth that they can hear from God, and God can speak to them through the Word, and they can get comfort from the, from the, the, the fresh manna from heaven for them. So instead, they look to 1-800-IDIOT. Maybe they haven't been discipled, or maybe nobody's ever told you that that is, it's witchcraft. Don't be looking at astrological stuff to get to what's going to happen with you. Don't be manipulated by the starry host. Same thing, starry host. By the way, the stars really tell the story of the gospel. And there's whole books written about that. It's just that the ugly one, he came to mess it up. There's children that are doing things in schools now that are just absolutely unbelievable. Children acting like adults, 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds having kids. The Josiah anointing is to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Drugs, same thing. They used drugs back then too to have a demonic encounter. The legalization of marijuana is wrong and bad. And we, if it's legalized, God forbid, Lord, stop it. It's already legalized in some places now already. It's just going to open more doors to the demonic. The Josiah anointing is to raise up people who are holy. They renewed their covenant. <laughs> King Jeroboam made an altar, and this prophet comes by the word of the Lord from Judah to Bethel and, and prophesies 365 years later, God raises up this king to fulfill that word. I think I did the math right. We can go check it. But 365 years later, this king is born. In fact, the prophet, a no-name prophet, we don't even know his name. I think it's, it's the first king 17. I, I'd need to go look. But the prophet comes and prophesies on the altar, and the king says, seize him, and is, the king's arm shrivels up. It's a picture of the kingdom of God invading even political, political parties, even invading the political scene. Come on, God can, God can do some stuff. Don't, don't mess with God. God wants to raise up people that are, that are holy. Some of you need to burn some things. Some of you need to go through your house, Get all the stuff off the shelves that's, that you know is wrong and set it on fire. Safely. Outside. All right, God's speaking to us. Because of Josiah, judgment was delayed. Because of this king, judgment was delayed on Judah. So what's the application? Could it be that if you and I lived in such a way, and I'm endeavoring to, and I know many of you are, you've lived in such a way like this king did, that we could actually cause judgment to be delayed? 
You cannot do the things we're doing in our country and not end up in judgment. I know it's not popular to say it, but I'm saying it. We need a major revival. You cannot vote in same-sex marriage, kill millions of babies, do, you know, bow down to the Asherah pole and the Molex. You can't do all the stuff we're doing and then expect the blessing of God. That's not how it works. It will not work that way. There will come judgment. And many believe that 9-11 that was judgment. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not God. But I know when I read his word, it's undeniable to say that if you, if you sin and you live that way, I mean, I, just individually in my own life, in the lives of thousands of people that I've counseled, you live in sin, you end up in judgment. That is how it is. And it's love, actually. Actually. Actually, it's an expression of love. David said, I long for your judgments. Have you ever prayed that prayer? When I was really overcome in the Holy Ghost, I've prayed that. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, God, I long for your judgments. And later on, you're like, you're stupid. See, he loves you so much that he'll destroy anything that gets in the way of your relationship with him. He'll call doors to close. He'll cause things to just close in on you so all you can think is, God! Some of you are in shrinking hallways even now. He's trying to get your attention. And I'm thankful that he digs around the, digs around the bush for a year. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I just, you know, in closing, please, we can, we can change the course of history. We can change the course of history. Lou Engle says history belongs to the intercessors. But intercession is, of course, more than prayer, as he would tell you. It's acts of justice. It's, it's doing the right thing. It's, it's making a stand. It's being like this king right here. What if people don't like me? Who really cares, really? You know what I've found? I've found that you have, you know, just a, people have a deep hatred for you. But then you'll have this tremendous Phileo is the only word I can, a tremendous brotherly love. And when I mean brotherly, I mean between us brothers and sisters that can't be separated by anything. Nothing. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I'll tell you when then God touches you and he puts his hand on you and he blesses you and you experience the, maybe the open window of heaven or your heart expands and you experience more of his love than you ever have before. That, all that other stuff pales. I mean, it doesn't even come close to what that is. Some of you clamoring around to look for the affections of another or the accolades or money, you're chasing after the wrong stuff. I've gotten tied up in that myself. God's talking to us tonight. We got to make God's word, make our standard God's word. We must live it out. Make the standard God's word. That's the standard. In times past, I've had my children say, Dad, everybody watches that.
movie. Well, we ain't everybody. And I'm like, really? Really? Are you kidding me right now? No. We're freaks, you know? Yeah. Can I just go? No. You don't want to be controlling in a helicopter. I love that. Thank you for that. My, my brother taught me about helicopter parenting. Don't do it. You know what that is? You have your kid. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. And they're like 16. And they're like, I just can't wait till this helicopter gets out of here. And they get out of the house and they're all. They just blow up. They splatter all over the inside of walls. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? got to teach your kids the word of God and teach them to have a moral warehouse and it's okay for them to fail. Now you want to try to avoid the major failures. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> Make our standard God's word. Got to pray for revival, but be bold in holiness. Pray for revival. Be bold in holiness. Be bold. Yeah, we're swimming against the current. That's right. Some of you are realizing you need to change your friends right now. Yeah, change them. When it all hits the fan, they ain't really going to be your friends anyway. What fan? You know. What's it? You know what it is. Smile at me. Come on, smile. All right, praise God. Now, I'll tell you a tragedy with this king. I, I have to tell you the story. At 39 years old, he made a horrible decision. He didn't seek God like, like he should have. And he was aligned. He had aligned himself with Babylon. And at 39 years old, he died. He died. He got killed. He was, he was one of the greatest kings ever. And he died prematurely, I think because of pride. I think because of being unequally yoked. I think because he didn't seek the Lord. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know where you stand. But I know one thing really clearly for me. I want to finish this race. I want to finish. And it doesn't matter that mega church or, you know, the stuff that pastor, some pastors dream about. None of that matters. None of it matters. None of it. What matters is seeing how big our hearts can get for God and just living for him out loud and on fire. Don't make any, don't make any apologies for living for Jesus. If somebody doesn't like it, they can stick it. Who cares? Who cares? They didn't save you. They certainly didn't heal you from that cancer you had. They certainly won't be standing there when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. They won't be standing there. You'll be all by yourself with Jesus who will put his loving arms around you and say, Ah, this one's mine. 
You don't want to hear, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? That scripture freaks me out. Did we not, did, did we not do all of these things for you? He says, get away from me. I never knew you. People that can be tied up in religious works, pharisaical, dead religion. Like Sadducees that don't believe in miracles. And we need a Josiah generation is what we need. If you want to be a part of the Josiah generation, stand up. How do you not stand up when everybody else is standing up? I don't know, but they taught us that in preacher school, you know. I think there's something about standing up, though. Saying, yep, I'm going to do it. When you're going to be a Josiah. Except for the, except for the 39-year-old failure part. I want to be like David, except for the Bathsheba stuff. Yeah. Come on, somebody say amen. All right, let's repent. That's, that's really the main thing. You examine your heart right now. Service is almost over. You ask God to reveal to you. Let him put his finger on stuff for you. Come on, you at home. Don't be like watching the, the TV or the idiot box. Come on, engage. Hello. Engage at home. Repent. Those of you that need to repent, repent. I think it's every one of us. Come on, let's just ask God to forgive us. Just write out loud. Talk to him. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you what I just said to Minister Micah. He's on my staff. And I said, I'm sorry for my failures as a leader. I've got so many shortcomings. I'm, I'm not under condemnation. <laughs> like I said, I'm just glad I can read. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be more Christ-like. I want God, I want you to do that in me. Come on, call out to God. Don't make this just some little service that you came to. Come on, call out to God. Repent. Ask Him to change you from the inside. There are some here God has spoken to you. He's put His finger on issues in your life, and you, like a child, refuse to let it go. You refuse to let go of that habit. You refuse to let go of that thing, and He has spoken to you over and over and over and over again, and you wonder why your walk with God is now dry. It's because you didn't obey, and, and you, you're missing out on the real, the real joy of what He has for you. Let it go. He wants to give you something so much more. If you were desperate enough, would you be able to do it? If your life depended on it, would you be able to do it? You can do it. Ask God for strength. Don't make excuses. I'm going to ask God to help you right now. Lord, help me. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, you're raising up a generation like this. A Josiah generation. Tear down the Asherah poles. 
the high places. Fulfill your prophetic word in our lives, God. And we thank you for America. I thank you for the coming mighty wave of awakening. I thank you for the great awakening that'll come, another wave, a third wave. Lord, the fullness of the Gentiles, as far as I can tell, has not happened yet. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would use us to that end, that we would have encounters with you. We'd not be yield to the seduction of Hollywood or the seduction of movies or entertainment. Lord, that we would position our hearts in such a way that we would hear your voice in an all new level of accuracy and intimacy that would produce fruitfulness, God. Lord... Help us, I pray. Release boldness upon us to share your word, to live out loud and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for God, won't you? Well, having sufficiently repented, or maybe you need to go home and do some more. Let's live this. Amen? Let's be a people that can be counted on by God. His eyes go to and fro, looking for a man, looking for a woman whose heart is steadfast towards him that he might strengthen them. He's just looking for one. Just takes one in a high school, a Martin Luther. It, it, it It really just takes one. We can turn this country, I believe that. We can turn our state. Make sure you vote. Somebody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's close in prayer. Would you reach across and take someone by the hand? Scott Phillips, would would you come and close us in prayer tonight? Lord, tonight, God, I pray that you'd give us fresh oil. Lord, even when we go from this place, Lord, that our relationship with you would be strengthened and it would continue. Lord, that we would continue to go to you, Lord, as a source of life, Lord. That, Lord, we would lean on you, Lord, whether we're in a good season of life or we're going through difficulty, Lord, that we would draw from you, Lord. Lord, that our our nourishment for life, Lord, of how to live life comes from you. And so, Lord, as we set our heart to seek your face, to spend time at your feet, to read your word, Lord, to love you, Lord, like you loved us, Lord, I pray, give us oil. Give us fresh oil. God, strengthen us with might, Lord, in our inner man. Lord, let Christ dwell in our hearts through faith. Lord, let us be rooted deeply, grounded deeply, Lord, in the love of God. Lord, give us revelation of your heart even as we go. Lord, meet us. Lord, meet us on the way. Fill our mouths, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, in a fresh way, Lord, we just commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Just uh, one correction. Um, attributed to my head, not my heart, Josiah, not Joash. I think so. I said Joash a whole bunch. Anyways, Josiah. Everybody say it. One, two, three. Josiah.
Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.